here tonight. Isaiah chapter 48, and we're going to look in one verse, and then uh, I want to give you a message tonight that will help you. We're going to read this one verse from Isaiah 48. We'll be coming back to it at the end of the message, and that'll give you some idea. When you see this verse again, you'll know we're near our landing spot, all right? So that'll be a good thing. I haven't decided whether we'll taxi or whether we'll circle the airport a few times or not, but we'll see about it. Isaiah 48 and verse 10 says, Behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. Here God speaks to His people. He had talked earlier about them being stiff-necked and having a a, a hard neck, and yet God said that He wasn't going to give up on them. And He was still dealing with them. And He comes down and culminates this passage in Isaiah 48 where He's dealing with Israel. And He makes this statement in verse 10, Behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver. I have chosen thee, in the furnace of affliction. And I want to speak to you this evening on the subject of God's choosing place. God's choosing place. And I'm excited for the truth you're going to get tonight because this is a tremendous, tremendous thing that will help you through all walks of life as you go and grow in your life in the Lord. Father, help me to teach this with the power of your Spirit, I ask in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated, please, if you would. God chooses to meet with people. How amazing is that? The God of the universe, the creator of all that is, would choose to meet with people. And He chooses to meet with us at certain points in our life. You know, as a pastor, you learn uh, to watch, and there are certain times in people's lives you watch and, and watch them because it can be a very dangerous time for them spiritually. Some of them are good points in life, but they, people get off track during those good points. Right, marriage and right after marriage takes you know people think they have to skip three weeks of church in order to get ready for a wedding. Well, that's a total mess up. Um, then right after marriage, there's there's changes in life, you know, and uh, they uh, uh, one 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 you know not willing to be six feet away from the other, and so if one's out of church for one reason, another one stays out too. All kinds of you know crazy stuff like that happens. Rival of a new baby, that'll do it. And uh, it has its own things. Uh, moving into or building or, or acquiring a new house, that'll do it too. A lot of people messed up their, their walk with God during that time. And uh, there's all these things that can be highlights in people's lives, but they are often dangerous times also in people's lives. Believe it or not, job promotion can do it. Job loss can do it, which you might expect some depression with that. But, the, uh, but God chooses His people in some of the most unlikely places. You know, I often marvel, and as my boys were growing up, there were a few occasions in which I took them to the little building which used to house the Northside Chapel First Church of God. Right off of North Main Street in Camden, Ohio, on the right-hand side as you're heading towards Eaton. And uh, there I, I would take them and show them this little brick building. It would, uh, not, not much larger than this area in here, right here. And there's a bigger building attached to it. I... As a, I was a teenager when they built that. I'd gotten saved and we built that building. I said, we built it. I dug ditches and stuff like that, whatever I could do to help. My wife was the first person baptized in that new building. And, uh, uh, of course, she wasn't my wife at the time. And she was a saved Nazarene girl but wasn't baptized. And uh, so we took care of that situation right away. And um, got her and dunked her, amen? And uh, <laughs> she, uh, she got baptized there. And so a lot of memories. I'd take my boys and I'd show them and say, here's where we got saved. Here's where your dad got saved. Everything in life changed trajectory at that point. 
I could go to the back where the back pew used to sit and say, on a Wednesday night, I normally sat down to the front. I don't know why I was coming in. Perhaps I was uh, coming in. I was working. I had to have someone help me with transportation at that time. I didn't have my license yet. But I was more towards the back than where I normally sat. But that night on a Wednesday night, I realized God's call to preach on my life. And I still remember walking over to my pastor and saying, uh, Brother Jeff, I believe God wants me to preach. And I told you, he opened the Bible. And to scripture and say, if any man desire the office of a bishop, uh, bishop. <laughs> I want to be a bishop. Um, I want to preside over the food. I want to be a bishop. Uh, the <laughs> if any man desire the office of a bishop, <laughs> it sounds good, doesn't it? I have several people surrendering right now. <laughs> if, uh, um, if any man desire the office of a bishop, I'll get my words in the right order. Then he desireth a good work, and uh, and so forth with that. But there are other times, and uh, God chooses us. And I found in the Bible, I was reading in uh, one of my uh, morning readings uh, last week, and I was reading this passage, and I, I, I read the passage about uh, God choosing us in the furnace of affliction. And I thought, man, God's got some choosing places. And my mind began to think of different Scripture, and I put it down to just a few tonight, I think, which represent... Times when a lot of times God will call people. Where He chooses. He calls people to see if they'll follow Him. And here's the thing about it. I want you to understand. We have a solemn duty and responsibility to respond when He calls. You're looking at a man who on purpose is not a Calvinist. Don't believe in Calvinist doctrine. And uh, at all. I'm going to tell you something. Uh, God looks for some people to respond whenever God puts His hand and calls people to, to obey Him in any particular life. Put these down and, and look at some of these places. Uh, first place I thought of uh, with this, as far as a place of God's choosing, is a place of conviction. Is a place of conviction. I'm not going to turn you to all these passages. We will go to some of them. But I just call your remembrance to the book of Acts in the ninth chapter. I'm not going to turn you to all the reading in there. But in Acts chapter 9, you have someone named Saul. Saul of Tarsus. Of course, we know who he later becomes in the Bible. Who does he? Paul, the Apostle Paul. Isn't that right? Used of God to be the human penman for most of your New Testament. And in Acts chapter 9, we have recorded for us in great detail the conversion of, of Saul of Tarsus when he got saved on that, that great day when he did. In fact, it was such a momentous thing that uh, quite often throughout uh, Paul's ministry, when he's preaching and even when he's writing the Word of God, he will refer back to that day when God saved him. It was a place of conviction. In fact, it was such a place of conviction that God said to Saul of Tarsus, not yet converted, He said, it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. It wasn't just a mild thing. He wasn't coming in saying, oh, this just seems like a good idea, I'll take it. But it was described as something that pricked him, something that actually poked him, jabbed him, stabbed into him. There was pain involved. I've taught you before, this particular thing to which that refers is the idea of a, an ox goad or something where you are moving animals. How many of you have ever worked moving animals? Dogs and cats do not count, but I'm talking sheep, goats, pigs, Llamas, dromedaries. Uh, okay. Well, you move. Anybody heard of cattle? You've ever heard of cattle? Uh, horses. Okay. I left horses out. How could I leave the equines out of such a thing? Um, trying to get them to go the right direction. It's an amazing thing. With cattle, it's, you have to have something to prod the cattle. 
When you're moving a cow up a, or a steer or a bull up a cattle chute into a cattle truck, it is nice to have something that keeps you out of close approximation with the uh, hinder side of the cow, which can also keep you out of close approximation with things you don't want to be close to. But you have to move them and you have to get their attention. They actually make cattle prods and the cattle prods now are electric. Think of it as a taser for beef. <laughs> Tenderize them as you go, absolutely. Guaranteed to work. But uh, <laughs> the, uh, uh, these, these things are, indicate something trying to get something that's unwilling and fighting against the direction, but keeps poking, keeps poking, keeps poking. And God said to Saul, Tarsus, he said, I keep poking you. He said, I was poking you when you read the Old Testament. I was poking you when you found out about Jesus and what He went through. I was poking you when you read my word. I was poking you. He says, a big jab came when you saw Stephen die and his face became like the face of an angel. And even though he was dying under a bloody death, and even though he was dying in intense pain, he looked up and said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. You no doubt had heard what Jesus of Nazareth had said on the cross. You knew this man died like he did, and you could never get away from it, Paul. It's called conviction. I tell you something, God chooses people in the place of conviction. There's a whole lot of decisions, but not a whole lot of conviction. There's a whole lot of professions, but not a whole lot of conviction. And I'm going to tell you what, a whole lot of profession without conviction is why there's a whole lot of profession and not a whole lot of possession. Anybody can make a profession of faith, but I will tell you something, when the Holy Spirit of God conviction comes on somebody and they realize their need of the Lord, it's a wonderful thing. I don't care if that's on a child of tender years in a junior church that hears about Jesus and knows they want to place their trust in Christ. The conviction is proportional to their need in their life. Or if it's someone who is bowed up and been hard-hearted towards the Lord and, and God puts them in conviction. I thank God for the day I came under conviction. I'm not talking about just... I'm talking about conviction. I'm talking about... And experience isn't the issue of it, but I'm talking about, in my case, standing there, gripping that pew at that Northside Chapel First Church of God and, and, and feeling like my heart was going to come out of my chest. You don't have to have all that attached to it, but I'm glad for Holy Ghost conviction. God meets us at a place of conviction. We need some conviction in life. I'm going to tell you what, uh, the, 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 the preaching is so watered down and the witnesses are stinking watered down, there's not a whole lot of conviction. People come in and have the idea, Colleen, that they're just a victim, so they're entitled to whatever sin they're wallowing around in. Not much pre preaching on repentance. Getting right with God. Instead, people want you to have a paradigm shift about your global view of things and begin your journey so that you can get to God instead of telling you you ought to get right with God and, that you, and if you die without Christ, you're going to split hell wide open and we need more conviction in what's going on. <laughs> Thank God He makes us in a place of conviction. I didn't understand everything that was happening in July 26 and 1980, but God was meeting me at a place of conviction. A place where I laid down my self-righteousness and came, came open to God. Thank God for the old invitation hymns. Just as I am without one plea. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. These type of songs. Why? Because they tell us about conviction. God meets us at the place of conviction. Sometimes I'll ask people, they talk about no Lord. When did the Lord get your attention? When did you first realize you needed the Lord? This is the way I've gone to talking to people. If they tell me they know the Lord, I say, that's great. I start out with something a little more innocuous. One, tell me about when you got saved. Well, I was brought up in church. 
Alright? And is that going to be a continuation sentence? You know, I brought up in church, didn't realize I wasn't saved, and then someday I heard a gospel message. No, I needed the Lord. That's a good testimony. I like to hear that. I brought to, well, tell me about when you got saved. I'm not talking about church. I mean, I have to ask, <laughs> how many people now? It's just something that, about two years ago, I was talking to somebody, and they, they were saying something, and I said, hold on. I said, just stop here a second. And they said, what? I said, you realize I'm not talking to you about church attendance and how you came up in church. I'm talking about your soul and whether or not you've accepted Jesus Christ. Because we're talking about whether you're going to heaven or hell. I'm not talking to you about church attendance. That's not the question. That's not, I didn't ask you to think about church here. I said, preacher, you were that blunt. Oh, yeah. Why? We're talking about eternity here. Wasn't mean. I'd already been talking to him a few minutes. I didn't walk up, step out of the car, and say that to him. You know, and a little sense as you go. But tell me about when the Lord convinced you you needed him. You take a young child, get saved. They've been out into the dregs of sin. There's a point in time where they realize they need the Lord. All of a sudden, they started realizing, you know, when they sashed back, they knew that was the wrong thing. They lied about something. It got to their heart. They were under convictions what was going on. You know, that's pretty amazing. Um, we ought to pray a good prayer for somebody who either is not saved or is out away from where they should be in the Lord or somebody you can't tell what's going on with them. A good prayer is, God, would you please give them conviction like you gave me conviction to bring me to the right place. That's a good prayer. When you give them conviction, that's a good thing. So a place of conviction. Then God's choosing place is a place of labor. It's a place of labor. Look in 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. I'm just giving you some different places where God's choosing some people. See, God puts people under conviction to see what they'll do with it. He puts unsaved man under conviction to see if that man will respond to the gospel. Then, um, he, he puts saved people under conviction to see how they'll respond to truth. You bow up on it? Are there subjects where you immediately going to bow up if it's dealt with? How do you respond to conviction? How do you respond to conviction? Uh, look at the place of labor. Look in 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. And look down in verse 19. Elisha had, uh, or Elijah rather, had just received uh, instruction from God on naming some people who were going to play a major role in, in Israel and he needed to anoint them or, or deal with them. And so Elisha is now, or Elijah, I keep going to Elisha, Elijah is now going uh, to do that. In verse 19, it says, So he, that's Elijah there, departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was doing what? And he wasn't, he wasn't running the air-conditioned John Deere. So boys plowing behind the oxen. That's hard work. It's hard work with those old plows. This was before John Deere. You know John Deere started making metal plows for pulling behind the oxen and horses. Didn't start out with an articulated, you know, four-wheel drive tractor, uh, but that that metal plow and the way he designed it was that was cutting edge at the time. Uh, but anyway, they, he it really was. Don't, don't, don't even look that way. I mean, that was clever, and you know it. Uh, the genius is just lost on this generation. But they, but that plow, the work of staying behind it and the work of keeping the tip of that plow down in the ground properly so it wouldn't buck up and come up is just a lot of hard physical manual work going along with it. And so verse, uh, verse 19, he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. This was a big production going on here. 
and he with the 12th. And so you had 11 of them, so they may have been running, you know, you know how combines will do? You see them out west where they kind of stagger when they're doing that, maybe with the plow, and that a good-sized chunk of ground here they're trying to work up, apparently. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. His outward covering identified him as a prophet. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. In other words, I will tell them bye. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave unto the people and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. Just did whatever Elijah needed done. That's where he got his start in the thing. But what it was, it was a place of labor. Elijah threw his mantle on Elisha where Elisha was working. God is looking for some people. He can find you in the place of labor. God's looking for some willing, working hands to get something done for Him. And He's looking for it. That goes throughout the Bible. Where did, he find, where did He find Peter? He found him mending the nets. That's probably the most onerous part of fishing according to what I've read about it. I have no experience in it, but they said the mending of the nets. You know, the fishermen like to be out on the water. They like hauling in the fish. They like the salt spray in their face. That mending the nets, that's dirty, nasty sometimes, and, and tedious work. But it had to be done. It had to be done for each day's uh, catch to come in and go out and do what they ought to do. If your nets weren't mended, then the fish went through. And, uh, and so you had, they had to keep them going. God, when Jesus came along, He found them working and uh, said, follow me. He was looking for some workers to follow Him. Hey, he didn't, he didn't go down where they were hanging out at the corners of Jerusalem and they were the same people who been hanging out there for the last three weeks because they, didn't, they wouldn't work and they wouldn't go try to find a job. You won't find Jesus going and telling them to come follow Him. He got Matthew from the tax collector's table. He was doing what his job was. He found people who were doing something. The place of God's calling is a place of labor. Always is. God's looking for some people who are busy about something. God, God's not interested in taking somebody who's proven they can do nothing but be lazy and have them be lazy in His service. Spirit of God gets a hold of you, the Spirit of God will do something to you. You know, God builds a fire in your soul, doesn't fluff a pillow in it. He wants us to do something for Him. He's looking in the place of labor. You want to get where God can put His hand on you? Go in the place of labor. There were a lot of things I didn't understand as a young man, but when my health broke completely, when I first went to Bible college, and when I ended up so sick and having blackouts and doing all this other stuff and lost my job because I blacked out there on the, uh, uh, at the Bedford Park UPS as, as a primary sorter, and, I, and I'd go trying to find another job. This is in the 80s in the Chicago area. I don't know if you know this or not, but the early to mid-80s in the Chicago area was not a great place to go to find employment. Steel mills were shutting down. It was just not a booming area. Man, when I went up in 84, it was horrible for trying to find a job. And, uh, I, man, I, I'd, I'd go in. Reason for leaving, I asked employment. I blacked out and passed out and hit the great work there by the, all the belts at UPS. Has this medical situation been resolved? No. Been to Mayo Clinic, been to everywhere else. I come back, they say, man, your, blood, your blood's perfect, you're, you're, you're in good health, your, your blood pressure's perfect, your blood work's perfect. We have no clue what's going on. I said, I do. That's what's going on. That, that was detrimental to landing another job. People don't like that when you show up and say, hi, can I come pass out at your place? Um, not good. 
I knew one thing from the Scripture. The Bible said, in all labor there's profit. And we went around and started volunteering and volunteering and volunteering and volunteering with everybody I could. He said, did you make a lot of money that way? No, but by the grace of God, never was, uh, never had to be withdrawn from school financially. And it wasn't because my mom and dad subsidized it because they didn't and they weren't even able to. But I'm going to tell you, God did some things and I really believe some things that I use every day, every day in the ministry, things that were put in my soul for pastoring happened during that time because God, I didn't know it at the time, I didn't know what was going on, but God comes to the lake place for looking somebody he can choose. You know, your time at Dietrich may be as important as your time in the bus minister. And your time on, uh, time on security and the crazy hours and taking care of things and all that. Mrs. Manning back there working in the nursery tonight. Carried a load sometimes 18 to 20 hours, credit hours a week, uh, a, a semester and working at night as security uh, guard there at the college. She wasn't out with the gun and stuff, but she would they'd walk the halls and watch for fire or anything going on like that. I'm talking about God goes looking for somebody who will labor to work at. Brother Darren worked a heavy load during, during Bible college. When he was working at the college, when he worked at Ray's Roofing, he carried a heavy load and took care of his responsibilities. Why? And I'm going to tell you what. God comes to a place of labor to see what you can do. What does that mean? That means be busy about what you're about. Look, look up here at me. Don't any of you. And I'm not talking just to youngins because I'm finding out adults are as bad for this as young people are. Don't you sit there and just allow yourself to go to nothing and sit behind some kind of screen. Throwing your life away, just doing nothing but sitting watching TV and sitting playing games. And I'm telling you, what, it's amazing. We got adult men getting on all these games with the with the things as far as the uh, uh, um, the uh, war games and different stuff. Interacting with hours and hours and hours and hours spent. Why don't we learn to be a laboring people? You think how much good could be done, what we could do with ourselves if we wouldn't waste all the time. I'm not saying you have no form of recreation. I'm not saying it's wrong to do something uh, where you enjoy it once in a while. In fact, I encourage you to keep your brain from going completely nuts if it's good stuff. But I'm telling you, it's, it becomes all absorbing. You, you, you listen well to what I'm saying. Our country's a, our country's a flabby country intellectually. We're a flabby country uh, as far as our discipline. And uh, God's not in that business. God comes to a laboring place to see who He can get. He's looking for somebody who can follow the Lord and do what they ought to do. I, I think it's pretty interesting. The preachers that I've had the privilege of knowing have all been hardworking people. I hear people make comments about lazy preachers, this or that, and there's some of them out there that are not the people I've ever run with. Most, most of them I know that God put His hand on are, are fellows that will work you into the ground because of their work ethic. Why? Because God looks for to choose some people in a laboring place. He goes, he goes to that lady taking good care of her home, good care of her kids, and, and, and doing that and doing her utmost to the Lord for that. And He says, I'll put my hand upon that. He goes to that person who has a job that might be considered a manual labor or some type of task like that, and He says, I'm going to bless them in what they're doing. I'm going to give them opportunities to witness and opportunities to minister. Why? Because they, He said, I'm looking for them in a place of labor. I, I tell you, it's, it's a tremendous thing. It's a place of conviction, a place of labor. And I thought this, a place of awareness and curiosity. A place of awareness and curiosity. Uh, we need to be alive unto God. 
Are you curious about God? Are you satisfied where you are? God help you if you're satisfied where you are. There's a difference between being content in the Lord and being satisfied where you are. Do you want to know about God? Huh? You want to learn about Him? I mean, you go on social media, you want to learn what everybody had for breakfast? I, I, I'm serious about that. Do you want to know about the God of the universe? Say, well, preacher, that stuff's way above me. No, if you're saved, He lives inside of you. Do you want to know about the things of the Lord? Are you curious to learn? You paying attention to what He's trying to show you? Do you come with a ready mind to hear preaching? I make no claim to eloquence, but you are fed. The Bible is open, and you will be taught it. Do you come wanting to know? See, I have a duty to come, and a privilege, and I, and I work at it, to come prepared to feed. Do you come prepared to eat? I got home this evening. My wife had supper for us. Got there. I'm not going to tell you what all was. Some of you probably rushed right in to get any supper, so I won't do that. I don't want you mutinying on me. And so I will not mention the chicken tenders or the gravy or the green beans. I'm not going to mention <laughs> uh, but the because uh, I'm too nice for that. Or the fresh corn in the cob. I'm not going to mention any of that. <laughs> and cool glass iced tea. I'm not going to mention it. But now I'm going to tell you what. Tonight could have been a whole lot different coming into church. The spirit of things could have been a lot different in the Manning's car coming into church. Let me tell you how I could have made him a lot different. Showed up late. Told my wife I'd already eaten somewhere else and left that food cold. Now, I don't know if you know it or not. I'm not much one for cooking and stuff, but I know a recipe for disaster when I see it. And uh, I might be having cold gravy for the next two days if that's what, I, what I'd done. Why? You know what? I, I, I was appreciated. Appreciate something been prepared. Actually, literally, you can take this out. Well, I literally planned what I'm doing. I, I, I knew what my wife was going to fix tonight, so I gauged the rest of my eating for the day for that. It's just what I do. I, I, I only allow a certain amount of meat into my diet, and, and I'm not against meat. I just proportion what I'm doing. I measured all out. I just know what I'm doing with it. I've done it long enough. And, and so I, I knew what I was going to have. I knew I was going to take me a big old piece of bread, and I knew I was going to cover that dude with gravy and eat it. I knew that. So I saved up for that today, amen? And that's good eating right here. I tell you, I like it. Um, and my big old dog sitting outside looking through the screen door going, woo! And I said, ain't it a shame, buddy? And just kept on eating. Um, this, uh, what, you say, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying, do you have an appetite for things? Do you have a curiosity for things? I'll tell you what, we were up there at Anchor. I saw Brother Cox getting his Bible and he's looking, checking things, and song service going on, and he watches it, he likes that. I'm sitting there thinking, I wonder what he's got. You start reading a verse, I wonder what he's going to teach us tonight. I wonder what he's got. Went up there and heard him on Wednesday morning. I thought, I wonder what Brother Cox got. Brother Johnson, if you heard him, you never know. <laughs> Wow, that's a wild trip. But you get some good stuff, I promise you. Why the God? What can I learn from this? God, what are you going to teach me? 
I'll tell you what, God broke my heart. He blessed my heart. And reached right down in for something one of the fellows went into. Something nobody would know anything about. Not even my wife. And he just, just like I just like I'd went up and said, hey, preacher, I, can you give me some advice for strength, for encouragement, and for making wise decision with this hair? And it was just like a reach right down in there. I tell you, God's good, isn't He? He's good. You say, where'd you get this thing of the awareness and curiosity? Well, since you're curious, look in Exodus chapter 3. Come wanting to learn something? Or do we open to a passage with which you're familiar and you say, I know what he's going to preach. Do you really? I know what he's going to say. Do you really? Maybe you do, but do you know what the Spirit's going to say with what he said? Even if you can guess where the sermon's going directionally, do you know what the Spirit wanted to say to you this time with that truth? It behooves us to be hungry for the things of the Lord. Exodus chapter 3, I love this. Look in verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert. Now doesn't that sound about as out of way place as you could find? And came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Now, for him to recognize, Miss Brittany, that the bush wasn't consumed, that means when he looked, he had to look at it for a moment. Just a glance wouldn't have told you that. He's watching it, Brother Brett, and it's like it's not turning to ash. Watching it. Well, this is different. And Moses said, he's he talking to? He's on the backside of the desert, talking to himself out there, isn't he? I will now do what? Turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush is not burnt. He says, hold on. I, wait a minute, I'm gonna go look and see what this is. And the sheep go, bah. I mean, what is that gonna say? Look what he did. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush. God didn't call out to Moses to draw him to the bush. God, when he saw that Moses turned aside to see, then he called him. Don't walk past the bush. That make a good sermon by itself. Man, you can preach that like a redneck preacher right there. Don't walk past the bush. Amen. He said, when he saw that he turned aside to see, the Lord called, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. How did he get to the here am I? He was curious and he was aware and he paid attention. You ought to pay attention to what God's doing around you. You ought to pay attention to what God's doing in your country. You think any of all this stuff is outside of God's notice? What's he want for his people? What's he got for us at this time? What are we supposed to be learning? What's he supposed to be teaching us in our spirit? I'm going to tell you something. God looks for those who out of an awareness and out of a curiosity are seeking for God. Don't lose that vibrancy. Don't lose that hunger. Don't lose that appetite for learning about God. 
I don't care if you're to a point in your life or if you have the uh, mental aptitude uh, that most any verse somebody starts in the Bible, your brain will finish it. Any passages they start on you, your brain will tell you what they're going and where it's going with it. You slow down and you pay attention. And you let God teach you. Don't lose the wonder of it all. Don't lose the fact that you want to learn something about what's going on. I remember as a teenage young man who hadn't been exposed to church and the first time I'm hearing about David and Goliath, I'd heard those names, but I didn't know what all had happened in that battle and I'm listening about that stuff and I heard about Joseph and I started learning about Moses and I started learning about all these things. You say, oh, that's common stuff. One common to me, I never heard about it. I tell you what, as a 55-year-old preacher of the gospel, I don't want to be less excited about the fact that God took a little shepherd boy and knocked the head off of a giant with him. I don't want to be less excited about the fact that a 17-year-old boy could be turned on by his brothers, sold into slavery, but have the integrity to follow God, and God could use him to salvage an entire nation. I don't want to be less amazed by the fact that a teenage boy named Daniel could risk his life not to disobey the Word of God and would have a testimony through four kingdoms that he followed God. Don't lose the wonder of it all. God meets and God chooses in a place of wonder. And he chooses in a place of curiosity. And then I bring us back. We're over the runway. To Isaiah 48. Isaiah 48. We're over the runway. Ladies, don't put your shoes on yet. I said over the runway, not at the runway. Isaiah 48, verse 10. We read it to begin the service. God said to his nation Israel, Behold, I have refined thee. In other words, the, the beginning of the preparation for usefulness. That's right. Verse 10. That's right. The beginning of the usefulness of uh, preparation of usefulness. And I read something in Proverbs. I sent, a, I sent a message to Brother Jenkins and he sent back corresponded a moment on it. I'll tell you something. It's amazing. We talked about as silver, as silver for the fuller. Remove the dross and the silver shall be for the finer. And I thought, wait, the finer is the person who, it's the artificer, it's the one who makes things. When the dross was removed, the silver was just ready for it. And I sent that to Brother John. I said, hey, Brother John, look at this. I said, he's purged, not prepared. He's not yet a finished vessel, he's just purged. Now sometimes we think when the dross is gone, then we're ready. No, that just gets you ready to be ready. Getting rid of the dross just gets you where the, 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 one, the artificer, the one who makes it, the goldsmith, the silversmith, can then work with it. It's not like you get rid of the dross and you're a vessel fitted for use yet. No, you're just ready to be fitted. Then comes the fitting. Isn't that good? I like the way I snuck a second sermon in there. Um, Isaiah 48 verse 10, it says, it says the statement there. It says, Behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver and I have chosen thee. Whereabouts, church? Furnace of what? I said it's a place of conviction. I said choosing place is a place of labor. It's a place of awareness and curiosity. And let me say, it's a place of problems. It's a place of problems. God chooses some of His finest servants as they go through problems. Let me just say something. I'm going to teach you all something right, right quick. And I don't want you... We're now getting spooky on me and everything with it. But just let me tell you something as a shepherd flock here, right? Not the great shepherd, but the shepherd you got here. Let me tell you something. Those struggles you have specifically on Sunday morning, fear, depression, 
dark thoughts, restless night on Saturday night, those things going on, that is church-wide right now. It has been for months. Illness shows up when you're supposed to be at church and then goes away. So that congregation has been for months. I know what you all get weird now. I mean, I'm looking for devil under every, every songbook. But it, it's time you hear this as a flock because I know it as, as the shepherd. Church-wide, including the shepherd. Jerry? I get my brains beat out about every Saturday night. I'm not doing anything different. I'm not putting stuff in my brain that shouldn't be in. Can you look around our country and tell that we're in the middle of a spiritual vortex and stuff going on? Not just in our country, but in this world. I'm just going to go ahead and say to you, what do you think people's minds are being prepped for where you have to do something to go by itself? Uh-huh. You ever read the book of Revelation? Right. So you're saying Ask is the mark of the beast, and I'm telling you the mindset's getting wrecked. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, there is some. How come I hear people who know the Lord of all ages keep saying something different's going on? Yeah. I'm down in North Carolina. Something different going on. I'm talking to preacher friends who are saying something different going on. Missionaries, something different's going on. Brother Mommy, something different going on. Brother Ben, something different about this. in the name of Buddha and don't come up. Because that, that is not what I'm saying. What I'm telling you is you have to understand. I, I, I am telling you, I'm not guessing. And, and, and by the way, there'll be a few right now. Well, Frank, you're kind of giving away something I told you. You're not catching what I'm saying. I'm telling you it's church-wide. I'm not giving you away. I'm giving our congregation away. Pastor, Mrs. Pastor, a bunch of you, all of us, battling the same. I don't even think my dog sleeps good on Saturday night right now. Now hold on now. We're in a devil-filled town. I mean, all, all of them are now, but this one, this, this one here has got a few extra in the bucket. Trust me. Being targeted by some really perverse groups wanting to come in and kind of set a headquarters around this area. And we're a gospel preaching, old time, Bible believing, soul winning church that's getting out there trying to get after souls. Had was one saved on, on yesterday? Three, three saved on yesterday? Fantastic. And so some folks getting saved out there, some people being reached with the gospel. You don't think we're going to get hit? You don't think you're going to get hit? There's one or two ways you're getting hit. Look at it. One or two ways you're getting hit. You're either in a battle because you're doing the right, right or you've given into it you're so stinking worldly you can't see straight. And you'd be embarrassed if your preacher knew what all you're into. Especially on your little fancy uh, fancy computer things you have where you can get into perversion and call it entertainment. It's not funny. You get involved in filthy music and gyrating around, dancing around with stuff. This perversion is perversion. I don't care where you're doing Preacher, what do you know about? Nobody's told me anything, so what do I know about? Why is this in my mind to tell you about it tonight? 
You better pay attention. Maybe it's the Holy Ghost of God told me to say something to you. Maybe that's a shot over the bow for you before you wreck yourself. And I don't even know. No, but you're supposed to say it. A place of affliction. A place of trouble. What are you going to do? What are you going to do when you get knocked down? What are you going to do when you don't feel right? What do you do when you run scared? What do you do when these things come in? I'll tell you what you do. Stay close to the Lord. Do the basics that you know to do. Stay right where you ought to be. Why? Because it's the furthest of affliction and God will be honored in it. You know that today, even among many, many unsaved people, if you say the name Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, don't know that something about fiery furnace, or you're mentioned fiery furnace, oh yeah, wouldn't that God help some people were in there? You know what? God's name still being honored and praised. Why? Because the people went into the furnace of affliction and God got honor out of that thing. Hey. Even unsaved people know about Job and the fact that he stood and, and followed God even though things were kicked out from under him and that man didn't have any idea what was going on. He wasn't allowed into the councils of heaven. He didn't know what was going on between God and the devil. All he knew was everything had disappeared all at once. But he knew this. He said that naked came I into this world and naked I shall return hither. He said the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this God charge not God foolishly nor sinned against Him with His mouth. May God give us grace to have the same kind of testimony. It's in the furnace of affliction. God, it's God's choosing place. What are you going to do there? What are you going to do there? What are you going to do there? What are you going to do when the pressure's on? Anybody can walk when the sun's shining and it's easy. What are you going to do when the pressure's on? God comes to some places and God chooses. God's got some choosing places. He's got a choosing place of conviction. He's got a choosing place of labor. He's got a choosing place of awareness, curiosity, wanting to know something. And I'll tell you where he likes to choose. He likes to choose in the furnace of affliction and see who it is that will stand. And having done all, stand. When your eyes are filled with tears and you can't see to walk, stand. When you feel too tired to move, stand. When you don't know the direction clear, stand. When you feel like all is lost, stand. When you can't hold your head up with joy, stand. When you don't feel conviction in your soul, stand. When you don't feel the fire burning inside anymore, stand. Enough of experience-driven, emotional-controlled Christians. We need some people who decide to live by the book and be disciplined and be disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Having done all, stand. God's looking to choose some people. He's going to go through these things. And He's looking to choose. He's looking for somebody that says, why is that burning? What's he doing over there? He's looking for somebody who says, God, you're trying to get my attention. God, you, you showed me that wasn't the right thing. I shouldn't have done that. And you respond to it. He's looking for some people who just stay steady and serve as unto the Lord no matter what they're doing. He looks for some people who can go through some mighty tough times. Say, God, I'm hurting. I don't understand it. I don't like it. But you're still my God. And he's looking to choose some people. You want to be one of them? Why don't you decide to be? Why don't you just decide to be? Let me pray with you tonight. Father, thank you for your people. Thank you for your word. May your people be responsive to your word, please. Amen. Let's stand together. Don't wait for invitation. You come tonight. You know what you ought to do.